I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on the knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You are in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. That spider gate sounds way cooler than manta rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went out and recruited one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. And we're back. How how the are you doing, Flash? <laughs> I don't know why I was going to swear there straight off the bat. I just so excited to see you. I thought, just going to throw that in, and I've censored myself in the meantime. Yeah, well, I guess it's good. I don't have to add the, the beep in later. Well, you've struggled enough with production today, so, you know. This, yeah, this... we won't go into that. We won't well, no, I think we that. should just give a brief history to the listeners of this almost didn't happen, because Flash is Splash the Cash. New laptop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what he didn't splash out for was the lessons on how to use it on Skype. <laughs> There's still a few kinks I'm working out. I got this new fancy boom arm for my mic and a new laptop and everything. And then, yeah, you know, I'm struggling um, with the um, basics. I, I, feel for, I feel for the listeners here because they, they don't get to see the image that I see whenever we record this, which is normally your beautiful face with, you know, headphones and flowing locks and your your basically your beard that makes me jealous every time I see it but now it's obscured by this huge boom mic and uh, voice muffler so I can literally see a pair of eyes peering over the top of a microphone at me it's a little yeah. bit unnerving yeah but ooh but listen to that oh yeah oh yeah oh, smooth God. sounds coming at you too bad for you podcast there could, be, there could be anything coming at me from behind that boom stand and I wouldn't be able to see it until it hit me right in the face well, look at with a professional mic, new laptop, all this stuff. We're, well, how are we going to pay for that, Flash? How well, are we yeah. going to pay for that? This is this is a great, great, great question, Brad. Because in another leap towards you know being somewhat respectable and professional, this podcast has an advertiser. Woo! We have our very first advertiser um, that signed up to ask us to talk about a lovely product. Um. Feather, oh, now I forgot the name of it. (laughs) (laughs) And the one advertiser that did sign up is now no longer signing up. Yeah, basically, we have an audience that that travels to conferences. I know some of you out there that are listening that they travel to conferences. Could even be traveling to a conference right now. You could be traveling to a conference right now. In which case, you're likely carrying an annoying poster tube. And do you know what? I, every time I see those tubes, I'm amazed because I, I see them in airports and I hit the deck because I think people are wandering around with rocket launchers. Yeah, right. They're very annoying. you got this plastic tube carrying around this poster. It makes travel very difficult. However, we have the solution. Feather Poster is our ad, our sponsor, if you will. Um, lovely guy by the name of Simon Landry has created a little business here 
for those of you in Canada, possibly in the U.S. too, uh, get in touch with him if you want questions about the shipping. But basically, anywhere in Canada, Feather Poster will print your poster on cloth and ship it to you. So no more poster tubes. These cloth posters, they're 36 inches by 48 inches, and they fold up. They can fit in a laptop bag. They fold right up. No longer do you need the poster tube. The fabric will not crease. It's printed in Canada within one to three business days. And so there See, you go. It's, You'll it's be fine. It's the not crease bit I like because the number of people that I know that go to conferences and they're, they're going to a conference for a th three days, four days in normally a, a reasonable location. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to tag some time on before or after. Oh, Jesus, now I've got this rocket launcher I've got to carry with me. So the fact yeah. that you can just fold this up, put it in your case and just carry around you, that is... Yeah. It it's definitely, a game changer. It's a game changer. It definitely allows you to travel a bit before and after the conference because you got one less thing to worry about. Uh, and so the cost is 95 plus shipping. But if you use the discount code to Brad, T-W-O, Brad, when the checkout, you'll get $10 off. And we might get a little something, something, something too. Well, that is that is a result. Though, is what, what I did think, and Simon, if... If I'm stealing one of your ideas, I apologize, but you can, otherwise you can have this idea because I would love it. So he's printing a poster basically on fabric, yeah? Yeah. Rather than on paper. So you Brilliant. upload your image, you just upload either a PowerPoint or a PDF right on the right. site. Um, let me get the, the address for the site so people can go there. While you're digging the address out. So Featherposter.com. Featherposter.com. Okay. So what I was thinking, you're printing this on fabric. Why not just print it onto my T-shirt? On my shirt, on my suit. Ooh, there you go. Because then, if you, there's sometimes you apply for a, a poster section at a conference, they go, oh, I'm sorry, we're full. You can't there's have no space. Print it on the back of my shirt. I'll just stand there. People yeah. have no idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, well, uh, Simon, if you hopefully you're listening, and hopefully we've done your business uh, proud this time around, but have that nugget of an idea, and, I, and I'm happy to give it a whirl for you if you need a guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. Let's put, yeah. I wonder what I wonder what else he would print on these things for us. Does it have to be scientific data? Yeah, what if I no, just want no. a big picture? Flash, we're not you. putting those pictures. We're not putting those pictures. <laughs> I've told you those are for your private gallery, and they, they shouldn't be worn outside. Uh, all right, all right. We've butchered this. We've butchered this ad enough, I think. Anyway, go to featherposter.com. Use the discount code to Brad T W O Brad if you want. Um, but take a look at these posters. Um, it's a really great idea. Like I said, it makes traveling yeah. to conferences way easier. I know there's a horror story from my lovely wife, Teresa's lab, in which somebody couldn't get on the plane with the poster tube and ended up just leaving it. Was just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to leave it because I'm not allowed on the plane. My carry-on luggage is at its maximum. And these tubes are so annoying, these huge tubes. And they just left it. So this would have solved all of those issues. Uh, and like I said, I've gone to the website, I've gone through the process, it's really easy, just upload your PDF or your PowerPoint, um, and they'll ship it to you in one to three days. That's amazing. Technology yeah. today. Yeah. So thank you to Simon for reaching out to us. Uh, please do check it out, featherposter.com, and yeah. Well, that's that's enough of the commercialism, for now at least, because mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm. we're always you know looking for ways to pay for this and fund this amazing podcast that we do for you. Um, I think we should now give the listeners what they wanted. You know, we, we've, we've teased them with commercials. so <laughs> We've made them sit through that. Yeah. We have. So uh, 
give them what they want, Flash. We, we know why people listen to this podcast, and it's 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 not for you, and it's not for I. It's it's for the the Ebola update. It's the it's the one thing that keeps this thing rolling. Uh, Ebola update. Here we go. Uh, unfortunately, we're still doing um, Ebola updates, um, and actually, the situation is. Since we last spoke, we were sort of, you know, kind of always on this cusp of will this increase? Will they get it under control? We've mentioned thousands of times now the security issues and the the issues on the ground that are hampering the the effort. And we've now this is now officially the second largest Ebola outbreak in history. So, yeah. So obviously the big West African outbreak of 2016, 2015. That, that large one is still the largest, um, but this is now the second largest. Uh, so cases have just surpassed the 2000 mark, um, two thirds of which have been fatal. So the death toll as of yesterday, I think, was 1,346. Um, so not great. And the number of cases per day is increasing. So I met, a couple episodes back, we did sort of a month by month breakdown of the cases and seeing how they were increasing. And so what what it looks like now is that they've shot up. And I was listening to another really cool podcast, Pod Save America, and they did an interview with one of the guys that uh, President Obama had put in charge to help with the coordinate the disease surveillance efforts, you know, for the US and for the giant Ebola outbreak, West African outbreak. And he was talking about how it looks like this outbreak is now on the trajectory that the other one was on in that it could it, it could escalate very quickly here in the next little while. Um, so they're seeing an increase of about 15 to 20 new cases per day. So the other, well, yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say, and before we, we started, I had a, a quick look because, you know, I know the listeners like Ebola and I know that, you're normally the main Ebola guy, so I didn't didn't dig too deeply, but it worried me that it it, it is growing and obviously you know second biggest outbreak, but it's just not getting media coverage anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I had to. Okay, I didn't have to dig around that much because Google is an amazing search engine, but it's just you know amazing that we're not seeing this on mainstream media. And I think the other thing that I saw, brief when I saw it, was obviously the number of cases are rising, mm-hmm. but the mortality rate is. Mm-hmm. still way up there you know what is mortality 70-80% in a lot of yeah cases and that doesn't seem to be dropping despite you know some of the vaccines and some of the procedures put in place and they were saying a lot of this is really down to now the, the lack of trust into the, the medical yeah. responders so yeah. people are just not going and yeah worrying yeah well here's an here's an interesting quote or a worrying quote from a spokesperson from the aid organization international rescue committee It says, uh, as violence and insecurity continue to hamper daily operations and mistrust prevents people from seeking care, these numbers are likely an underestimate and not a realistic picture of the number of cases out there. So they actually think that it could be much worse and we just actually don't know. And this is why you might see this escalation is that there's actually a bunch of cases floating around that we just that they just don't know about. you mentioned the vaccines, but so the good thing is, is that 129,000 people, mostly the health workers, have received the an exper- an, they say an experimental, but effective Ebola vaccine. So yeah, 
it's it's worrying and i i think you know that i wonder you, you said you're not seeing like the sort of news coverage of it which is maybe a good and a bad thing cuz the last thing you want is the fear-mongering that went on uh in the in the west african outbreak if you remember like there was healthcare workers coming home to america and the uk uh that had been exposed and people were freaking out and oddly enough uh in this interview that i was listening to the guy pointed directly to donald trump as during the west african outbreak he was out there tweeting all this like crazy nonsense about how these people should be quarantined and we shouldn't let them come home and all this stuff and he was actually like making this situation worse no and, yeah exactly right no. and now I find it hard to believe yeah and now he's president so um this guy also pointed to a number of things that he has done as president that he believes are hampering the efforts now thankfully he's not out there fear-mongering and doing all the other lovely things that he normally does on twitter with this outbreak but he's abolished certain positions um within the foreign service and within the cdc and stuff like this that basically, you know, and basically defunded a lot of the efforts that would go into dealing with situations like this, which, you know, uh, a lot of the experts say is really the best way to keep your own country safe is by helping other yeah. countries manage these these situations. And I mean, if not the U.S., if not the you know, the developed world, who will help these these places? Um, because really. You know, people think, oh, well, the, the UN or the World Health Organization, something like this, will come in and, and, and they, they're the ones that step up and, and solve these problems. But they, the World Health Organization is really like an administrative body. Like it does yeah. not have a force of doctors that it can like deploy like an army, like that just doesn't exist. We actually don't have anything like that. So the, any, the only thing, the only people helping in these situations is international aid organizations like the International Federation of Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders is huge um, yeah. in these situations. And then the other one I, I mentioned, International Rescue Committee. So it's really, it's NGOs that, that work with local health authorities. And I mean, the other thing that Obama did during the, the West African outbreak was he deployed the military. So he did bring in, send military engineers to help build you know, hospitals, uh, military doctors to help deal with the situation and stuff like that. So that's something that could be done that the U.S. is now not doing. Um, so, but yeah, so people sometimes think that, oh, well, there's this organization that will come in and swoop in and, yeah, and save these the things like, like the movies, you know, but it's just that is not the case. We totally rely on volunteers and NGOs and stuff like that. Um, so... Hopefully, we'll get some good news coming out of there. Um, there was another bit uh, in the article I was reading that they were actually talking about how maybe um, reducing the presence of troops and other security forces around the health workers might help gain some trust amongst uh, the locals. But I don't know. You also that's have a, to worry a, about the safety of the people. Exactly. Right? It's a big ass. And, you know, you, A, you've got somebody brave enough to volunteer to go and help in, in A, these conditions, and B, you know, potentially being exposed. You know, there's been a couple of cases of, you know, Western volunteers, you know, then coming back with Ebola. So you right. have to worry about that. And then we're saying, well, thanks for coming to that. By the way, we're just going to dial back the security and see if that makes you safer. It's, it's yeah. a big ask, isn't it, for anyone to, to volunteer. So, you know, I tip my hat to 
those experts and people that do out and, and mm-hmm. try and help with the best. Yeah, and so hopefully we'll see something. Like I said, we hopefully we can see the tide change, but uh, it looks as though it might get worse before it gets better. So it's right. in a really sticky situation. I, as far as I know, it still hasn't crossed into other countries, so that's good news. But we're now at second largest in history, so I mean, not a not a great distinction, but okay. that's the Ebola like a, update. I was going to say it sounds like a Ebola update is here to stay for at least a little while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you talked about the Trump administration dialing back on, on some of its external funding. So maybe he's taken the funding from other countries to focus more on one of his own states. So um, there's been an outbreak, or a feared outbreak, of brain worm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's not really called brain worm, but you know, <laughs> as we said before, give it a good headline to get people in. And people now are just about to dial off. They're like, we've heard of Bola. We know it's growing. Yeah. Brain worm, count me in. Where do yeah. I get some? Well, you get some right here. <laughs> um, brain worm in Hawaii, that lovely idyllic paradise. Yeah. Um, so I call it brain worm. It's actually not brain worm. It's actually um, rat lung worm, otherwise known as... Mm. Uh, Angiostrongylus cantonis, cantonensis. Sure. I had to spell that out phonetically because I knew I'd screw it up because I would <laughs> get so excited about it. Um, so it's been present for a number of years, this this parasite. Um, and when I started delving into the history of it, um, it predominantly was found in the Pacific and Asia a lot until the Second World War. Mm. And then it started to spread, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I can't believe, you know, why would it spread? Because of that evil? No, it spread because the the soldiers and the GIs actually got to like the type of food there. So then, when they came back home, wanted that type of food, and then from that it spread. So, uh, why this is in the news this time around is um, Hawaii has uh, recorded three cases last month. Okay. Um, it's always been present to some degree in Hawaii, and actually it's been on the downturn the last couple of years. So 2017, they had 17 cases, 2018, 10 cases. Everything was moving in the right direction. Uh, and then they'd had five cases up until this point, and they bang, last month they had three cases. Mm. So um, as I said, the parasite uh, is more commonly known as rat lungworm. It's a lot easier to say rat lungworm than Angiostrongylus cantonensis. Um, oh, you got it now. I did, yeah. I was just showing off. I had to get, try and get it second time around. I'm not going to go for a third. Um, so it's a parasite that grows um, and matures in snails and mollusks uh, and prawns and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those snails, prawns, mollusks are then usually eaten by rats. Um, and then that propagates the cycle and then it matures in the rat and it comes out the feces in the rat and so on. The life cycle goes. But... Sometimes us pesky humans get involved in the life cycle by eating the snails, the prawns, the mollusks, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get infected. Um, The problem is for us, um, because we're not the intended host, it tends to not like us that much. So uh, it likes to migrate straight to the brain um, where it uh, causes an eosinophilic meningitis. So basically um, by its physical presence, presence and also by some of the chemicals it releases, it basically um, causes severe and permanent brain damage and could, um, if untreated, lead to death. So right, so you not... get like, basically like brain irritation. You get this thing yeah. that like ends up in your brain and it's yeah. inflammation, immune response. And then, yeah, basically destroys, destroys your, your brain. Um, 
what what I picked up on this the the three cases they had last month, um, two of them came from eating unwashed salad and fruit. Ooh, so they were probably like a little snail or something in the yeah yeah left yeah or left a bit of a there is um, some evidence to show that you can get the larvae in the actual slime. So if you don't wash ooh the slime in the off, snail trail, exactly chemtrails whole new meaning chemtrails. <laughs> so that made me a little bit nervous because a number of times you know I go to the supermarket and I grab some fruit or whatever and I just I, eat I, it I you don't, don't wash, wash your fruit no i don't always wash my fruit no <sighs> um i will from here on in yeah you well know, i mean you're I not getting your fruit from hawaii so well you know in this global economy who knows yeah well you know maybe come fall you guys won't be getting any fruit so well exactly yeah <laughs> scurvy will be rife on these fair shores <laughs> As Brexit closes down the steel curtain around our borders. Um, but So I said there were three cases. So two were from um, people eating unwashed food items. And the, the third... Do we even want to know? No, the third was from eating a snail as a dare. <laughs> Sweet dare. Well, right up until the moment, the guy got brain damaged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Interesting, you know, obviously small numbers, but still um, on the increase. And, it, it, you know, it's that spike in cases last month that hit the news. And then mm-hmm. when I saw the, you know, unwashed fruit bits, oh, yeah, I don't wash my fruit. And then so like, ah, but I'm not an idiot. I don't eat snails for dares. So, you know, Yet. I've only got a 66% chance of getting it from eating <laughs> fruit or salad. That's that's how statistics work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. So be on the watch out, people. Yeah. Rat lung worm, brain worm, it's coming for you. Well, it's an interesting thing because it's like, you know, it, there's a link here to to Ebola and stuff too because a lot of diseases that humans get come from animals, you know, or like our, our odd interactions with animals. And a lot of times the, uh, you Where know... Where is this going, Flash? <laughs> well, I was just going to say that the, you know, the, the bad diseases usually happen when your body's not used to it like you're the animal is the natural host and then yeah. it gets into a host that it's not used to and the host isn't used to this you know you haven't evolved with this infection so then it causes these crazy immune responses and stuff like that or your body is just in the case of ebola you're just not able to you know it's 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 super virulent you know but as we sort of cut down forests and have more interactions with animals in terms of you know agriculture and stuff like this it's actually it's it is a a big health concern um there's a number of really cool articles about this how it's like this is a public health concern that we should be more wary of the fact that we're you know destroying the environment and stuff like this and bringing ourselves into more into contact with potentially deadly animal diseases that when they jump into us cause nasty consequences does this mean? Does this mean if we're getting up closer to to nature, Sasquatch might might be found in the? Yeah, thing, don't you think? I mean, yeah, I would say so. And we have to consider that Sasquatch is carrying some pretty gross diseases. Well, you think it's like almost primeval Neanderthal-like disease? You think that we've just not seen for years? So yeah, could you imagine the worms that Sasquatch shits out? I would imagine it'd be like boa constrictors. <laughs> I think, I th- and and actually, there is a s- increase in the number of like pythons and boa constrictors in the wilderness in the in northern America. So I wonder if that's because there's an increase in Sasquatch. Yeah, could be. I mean, science checks out, dude. 
Well, uh, we I know we're you know we're halfway through the year now, but I'd, I'd almost be so bold as to make this one of our predictions that we find Sasquatch that this is yeah. the year that we have. This, yeah, I think this could be this could be the year, or, or at least within the next twelve months. But you know, I'll, I'll go high risk and say within the next six months. Well, let's but. say let's say this. Let's say this. All of the proceeds that we get from all of you folks going out and buying feather posters from featherposter.com will put towards a squatching trip. Oh, now that is an excellent idea. We'll put, so don't forget to use to Brad the discount code, code. word T W O Brad, all one word. That's right. Um, and then we'll, we'll do a remote recorded podcast yeah. from the wilderness. From the wilderness, we'll put all the proceeds will go towards an expedition to find Sasquatch an and its yeah. boa constrictor sized worms. Yeah, and we will get the first interview with Sasquatch on this podcast. Boom. Guaranteed. Boom. Yeah, got it here, people. <laughs> it's on its way. Flash, I, I feel as if we may have dug ourselves into a bit of a hole. So, you know, lift us out of this hole. Take me somewhere jolly and happy. And okay. where do you take me? Actually, yeah, I do have a, a bit of a, a happy story. Um, also involving brains. Oh. So maybe, maybe if kids get brain worm, they might actually be able to survive and have their brain damage reversed. Okay. That's a big maybe. But let me tell you, okay. let me tell you where, why I think this. Because <laughs> a little bit worried about kids getting brain women hair. This is going to be a happy story, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I, know. I, I, I have no doubt you're going to save us. I didn't set it. I, I'm struggling to set this up, but you'll see where I'm going. You'll see where I'm going with this. Because the brains of children with epilepsy were shown to be able with, to with what epilepsy. Okay, not for epilepsy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got to work. That posh new microphone is not working very well for you there, is it? <laughs> we'll we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Yeah, like you did the Skype <laughs> So the brains of children with epilepsy were oh, able to remap after, after surgery so that they could retain visual perception. So if you want to know a little bit more about epi- uh, <laughs> epilepsy... There's going to be a lot of editing done in this yeah. episode, isn't there? Yeah. If you want to know more about epilepsy, listen to the episode where I spoke with Dr. Florence Clayburg. The oh, neuroscientist, yeah. she was working on that, and we had a discussion about epilepsy. But anyway, one of the ways to treat severe epilepsy is with surgery. So I think they actually have to go in and sort of remove um, sections. I think they, they cauterize parts of it, I think. Yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah. So yeah. it's a pretty invasive procedure, to say the yeah. least. Um, and it can often result in you losing some, some function. So uh, depending on where the area, uh, the affected area is, um, but what they found was that in children, when they're still developing and they underwent this surgery, their brain seems to have a plasticity to it. And it's able to sort of rewire itself so that they actually don't lose these functions. So when you, with the study they looked at was looking at visual perception. So people that had the surgery done in the visual areas. So when you're looking at things, you know, the information the nerve impulse, the information, whatever, it travels from the eye and then it goes into the brain and then actually through various parts of the brain um, that process the information and allow for, you know, facial recognition, pattern recognition, your understanding of the objects and even the words that you're seeing. So you need all these parts of your brain in order to read and actually just like know what it is you're looking at. So even if your sight, like your eyeballs, are still intact, 
if you injure or remove these small parts of the the brain's vision air processing centers it can lead to you know permanent loss of perception uh, people can't recognize faces or places and they can't read so that's what happens in adults um, so in this study they looked at 10 children who had undergone surgery for severe epilepsy between the ages of 6 and 17 um, and they compared the neural and visual perceptual profiles of these patients with 10 healthy control children. And so they wanted to better understand how plasticity could be occurring. Um, so they did the study in two phases. Phase one, uh, each participant was exposed to a different series of tasks that tested their perception abilities, including facial recognition, ability to classify objects, reading, pattern recognition, um, and then in the second phase, they did it, I think, more or less the same thing, but in, a, in an MRI. So they got this like baseline of like, okay, how good are you at doing this compared to the right. healthy controls? And then they did it in an MRI in order that they could uh, visualize the areas of the brain that were activated um, when you're doing these tasks. And so with the exception of two individuals who had you know, a greater portion of their cortex altered, they found that all the patients showed normal perceptual performance on the tasks, were able to identify faces, objects, places, words, and they fell within the normal range, um, even for con complex perception and memory activities. Um, and so in the participants who did not show clear remapping of the brain, so they couldn't, like in the fMRI, they didn't see, you know, this is where the brain activity is going and this is where it's remapped itself around the injured part. Um, they, the results still showed that the healthy region of the brain was able to compensate for missing regions in the hemisphere of the brain where the lesions were removed uh, and in a way not usually seen in adults. So the researchers said these findings offer new insights into the malleability of the cortex in children. And the most striking uh, result or case in the findings was a 14-year-old girl who had severe epilepsy that originated from the left side of the brain. The part of the brain that was removed in surgery is known to mediate the ability to read. So despite this hemisphere being removed, the patient could read with relative normal functioning and when they scanned her brain, they found that this like reading region of the brain had remapped to the healthy um, right hemisphere which provides strong evidence that the, br the brain has some degree of plasticity. So when they say remapped, I don't know exactly what they're meaning, but obviously they're looking at, you know, areas of activity in the brain. And so I'm assuming that there's actually some kind of like regrowth of neurons or uh, around the injured part and back to the healthy part. So, but you don't see this in adults. Like, so there's, it's something to do with if you're early enough. So this is where I was going with, if a kid gets brain worm, maybe their brain can heal. Well, and, and you, yeah, the, the remapping, the plasticity, and then you said about adults tend to lose that function. I, um, between episodes, a couple of weeks back, there was um, an article here, and I can't, I've just tried to look for it now, and I can't find it, but I'll try and dig it out. There was an article there about a line of research whereby they were looking at how in patients with Alzheimer's and dementia, if they could recreate or... Give, restore some of that plasticity mm -hmm. that actually although the brain is still deteriorating because of whatever because we haven't worked out how to stop that yet the brain actually has a lot of redundancy mm -hmm. so actually could remap and give you know extra function so it was 
the if I remember correctly, the article was sort of saying, you know, in terms of Alzheimer's and dementia, it, it's a stopgap. You know, it would yeah, you could sort of slow the progression of the symptoms. Yeah, yeah, it would slow the decline because you'd you know the brain remaps, although it's still declining, it would remap and and keep keep going. But what it would do is you know a buy somebody some more time, but it would also buy researchers some more time to you know hopefully find a cure and and, and stop that piece. Right. Um, but then they talked about well actually in in traumatic brain injury is this something that um, could also be used because you know you hear people that have retrained you know after losing you know after strokes and things um, would there be a way of retraining the mind mm-hmm. you know with this increased plasticity? So, yeah. I mean, it makes yeah, sense that there's a bunch of redundancies, like all these connections in your brain, like there's what, like millions of neurons all being connected. And so you kind of block one pathway, there's a way that it can just go around, but you kind of have to train the brain to do that. And I think that's, yeah. you know, and we've, we've also like, there's lots of these really cool, I'm, we've talked about it before, where they put, um, you know, you can add, the brain is really good at adding a new thing. Like, so they, they researcher that, you know, put something in the in the monkey's brain, and then the monkey could control a, a mouse on a computer screen with its brain, or a robotic car, or a robotic right. arm, or something like this. So the brain is really good at rewi- rewiring itself and incorporating these new things. So it's the same in that if there's an injury, it can go around. The interesting thing to me is that there's this like age dependent thing going on, right? Like you lose that ability over time. So, you know, what is it about kids? Is it just that there's the natural, like the brain is still developing already. Like, I think they say like your brain for men, it's like by the time you're 25, your brain is fully developed. So it takes up to 25, age of 25 before your brain is actually stopped sort of developing, right? So maybe it's, it's just, you have to be within this window and you lose this going forward, but then I'm thinking, is there some sort of, you know, what's the hormone? What's the, all these things that... There's got to be something that chemically triggers yeah, it. That, yeah, right. Like there's all these things that as you're growing, it's, it's regulated by hormones, right? Like what parts of your body are growing and changing and what they're changing into. So maybe you could like, you know, okay, this is going to sound really weird. <laughs> don't, don't stop now. We've been recording for what? 30 minutes I, I think now is not the time to say this is going to sound really weird okay I'm not advocating for farming the brain juices of kids but oh, maybe you, maybe if you found the hormone that somebody get the lawyers on speed dial <laughs> you find this like hormone or whatever you know like the thing that allows it's like with stem cells right like if you can find they find the the combination of hormones and proteins and stuff that make a cell revert back into its stem cell stage and then you can root, root, right. you know same thing with the brain so we just got to find these you know things that are in kids brains that allow you to you know and then we could all remap our brains right i think you could have got to that point without talking about farming the brain juices from the young <laughs> children flesh because that just makes you sound really fucking creepy and a bit scary uh, but yeah when, yeah will there be a pill in the future of increase your IQ by 20% by, you know, but it would have to be in combination. It would have to be in combination with some learning task, right? Like you could like, okay, so you take the pill and that primes your brain to be able to like rewire its connections. And then how do you direct the rewiring of those connections? Right. So then you'd have to be like doing some kind of task. And then it's like, 
But maybe well, that's it, like it, for training, like for athletes or something. Because so you take the pill that primes your brain for learning and plasticity. So it like makes your brain all malleable. And then you just, you know, shoot a hundred slap shots and just rewire that pathway to just be like super locked in. And then we transplant the hockey stick onto your arm and the <laughs> transformation is complete. Well, I was thinking more of the marketing ploy of you buy a copy of, you know, I don't know, the Brief History of Time by Professor Stephen Hawking and on the front cover there's a little blister pack of seven tabs. Brain that pills, you, yeah. Yeah. I, I, each time you get halfway through a chapter you pop a pill and it, or, you, know, you might actually understand um, A Brief History of Time by the end of it. Yeah, beyond chapter two, that's about as far as I got. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I tell people I got to chapter four, which I did, but I really only understood chapter one and not really all of that. And actually, by chapter one, I mean the introduction, the, the foreword, the, the intro. <laughs> well, no, not all of that, to be honest, but mainly the title, the author, yeah, the publisher details, and the copyright stuff, the igno- yeah. acknowledgements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that much, and I, I understood some of the blurb on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Which basically, if you can understand that, you can understand the whole book because that blurb is basically telling you what the whole book is about, yeah. isn't it? So effectively, I do understand the brief history of time. Understand it enough to be talking about it on a podcast, that's for sure. Well, exactly. How many people have braved into that foray? <laughs> going, oh shit, I've only read the first couple of chapters. Oh no, not this guy. Poof, straight in there. <laughs> Without the brain pills. Exactly. Just imagine what I could be like with brain pills. Yeah. Just going to leave that there. All right. Well, that's all I got for brain stuff. Uh, what, how are we doing for time? you got to jet out of here. so I am. Uh, yeah, we've got about seven minutes. Okay. Well, what should we do then in these last seven minutes? Um, Tell people about featherposter.com? Well, we should definitely mention featherposter.com. I know you've got one more story there. Is it, is it a quick one? Because mine's quick. So do we want to do mine and see how we're doing for time? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, um, and we talked about stem cells and the whole plasticity piece. So... Um, it was on the news a couple of days ago around a um, a puncture repair kit for your heart, so to speak, or a, a repair patch for your heart. Okay, so kind of like a bike um, tire. Yeah. Um, so a team of scientists uh, based out of Imperial College in London have basically developed a um, pumping heart patch. Um, so it's basically a patch composed of uh, millions of stem cells that are all beating. Um, and the plan is to use this to repair or to put onto the outside of heart tissue following uh, damage from a heart attack. So uh, the patch on the news is around about three centimeters by two centimeters. Um, It's grown from the patient's own stem cells um, and effectively it grows into healthy working muscle. Um, So the plan is that, you know, with a heart attack, so um, basically the way the heart attack works is the arteries that supply the heart get blocked and then therefore that stops the flow of blood and oxygen and nutrients. So it can result in um, damaged or dead heart cells. So the heart doesn't pump as effectively from right. going in, even once you clear that blockage. So what this would do is you put this on the outside and effectively it would help support pump the heart. So it's effectively like having a, you know, when they do external heart massage to try and revive somebody that's, you know, in a really bad way. Mm. This, this patch would help support the functioning muscle that's already there. But what they also found... So it's not regrowing the heart, the dead well, stuff? Well, it's almost as if you knew where it was going to go next. Mm. What they discovered was when they put this patch in and they tested it in rabbits, the patch also from the... Because uh, the stem cells are, you know, 
growing into heart cells, actually release chemicals that has been shown to repair and regenerate the natural heart tissue. Ah, okay. So it's doing both. It's not only like providing like structural support and like a like exactly. an exoskeleton, exactly. but then it actually promotes some growth. Yeah, and 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 this was the thing that you know the the patch by itself is brilliant, but the fact that potentially there's this patch then that you could put on. Um, and the article I read sort of loosely touched on it, but then I was thinking, well, and we've talked about, you know, diabetes and insulin producing cells, mm-hmm. and maybe you, you know, you're having your wrist and things, but is there a way of, you know, are there other uses for things like this, where these stem cells you could implant, be them in the brain or on the skin or liver? The pancreas or, or something, yeah. Yeah, whereby then those stem cells might then cause regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. That's kind of what like they they talk about doing with stem cells all the time, right? Is injecting them into an area of where you need them, and them yeah. them sort of taking the cues from the cells around yeah. them and and growing into those cells. Man, with this and the brain pill idea. Well, well, then I was thinking, just as thinking this, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna implant the hockey stick onto your arm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get your dose up on brain pills to fire up those neurons so that you are the quickest puck slapper in in the world yeah well then what we can also do is pop i'd say at least two maybe even three of these pumping heart patches onto your heart so then you'd have like superhuman cardiovascular skills as Mm. well so not only could you slap a puck faster than anyone else has ever slapped a puck in the world i could do it for longer exactly yeah suddenly and it's a marathon and a sprint not a sprint I mean, why hasn't anybody hired us uh, well, for, like, think tank ideas? Well, featherposter.com, you know, they've effectively hired us, haven't they? That's true. But yeah, I don't, I don't get why the phone isn't... Well, actually, my phone's on silent, so I wouldn't hear if it was ringing. <laughs> but why isn't, why isn't the phone ringing off the hook to take these ideas and get them out there? Uh, well, well we, we, got one, we got one person that was interested enough in the podcast to advertise with us, so maybe we're on the right track. I don't know. Exactly. Well, you know, and we've we've talked about it many times. We're happy to be, you know, we're happy to whore ourselves out there. We've, you know, we've we've plugged Apple in the past, <laughs> and I've I've yet to see any iPads, MacBooks. Yeah. It's true. Appear. It's true. So you know, they need to up their game because they're losing out to Featherposter.com. That's right. And Featherposter.com, who's even got a coupon code to Brad. Now that can't beat that's it. Ten dollars off your purchase and them. Exactly. Ten dollars off your purchase. Amazing. I do really like. I do. I was thinking today too about like just buying a poster just for like. I'm not going to any conferences, but like I said, like I just maybe I just you know get a picture put on there just to see the quality and stuff because you know by all accounts the quality is great. I know people that have used this type of service in the past and they swear by it and that it's so much easier to travel and they're actually maybe even easier to read. You know, because you got to laminate these posters when you take them to the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then if, if you're in like some, you know, bright conference hall. With, which they all are with those yeah. fluorescent glary lights. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like you can't see the poster and stuff. But if you have a nice, you know, soft feather poster, it's going to look great. And you could just, man, you could just fold it up and put it in your pocket. Hey, you could use it as a duvet and sleep on a park bench if you can't afford a hotel. Pfft. Even better. Man, we're finding so yeah. many uses for these things. This is great. Again, why is the phone not ringing? 
All right. Well, I, you got it. You're you're heading off to a like a bachelor weekend, so we got to let you uh, go. Yeah, snag to Yeah, I, the bags are all packed. The taxi is hopefully on its way. Otherwise, I will be be late. So I, I am going to wrap us up here, Flash. I'm sorry. No. You're going to have to roll your story over for for next time. But you're you're off traveling. The next time we we record one of these, you you're going to be in another foreign. I might. Climate. Yeah. If we get it, if we get a chance, I will be based in the the island of Sardinia for the next month. So. I will provide updates from the beautiful Mediterranean. Have you been taking a cut from featherposter.com already and <laughs> this is why you're swanning off to the Mediterranean? Because I have seen none of this cash. Hey, like I said, there's a, there's a hierarchy that, that is in this, po- in this podcast. And, you know, co-host and producer gets top billing over just co-host. <laughs> so... Hmm, I, I, think, I think we all, you know, I admit you do all the post pre all the technical stuff you know I, I as i've said before i literally just rock it i'm the talent yeah but ultimately it's the talent that people come for yeah well the talent needs a place to you know to spread their talent onto the internet and so without the producer well, you would be um, locked let's, away let's, uh, the last time i spread my talent over the internet it got very literally very messy <laughs> so and you know i've only just cleaned a lot of those screens up so let's not go there but oh good lord flash, this is why you don't get it cut <laughs> this is why people listen <laughs> all right wrap it up wrap it up okay i'm gonna wrap it up um summary wise i'm just gonna say people don't eat snails and if somebody dares you to eat a snail just just don't do it also if they dare you to eat unwashed fruit and salads don't do that either wash your fruit um, people wash your fruit wash your plums yeah um Keep, keep an eye out on this space because if enough money comes in Flash and I are going off into wilderness to have the first interview with Sasquatch that is coming yeah. we predict it's going to be this year um, Flash you know take note of him now because in about a year two years time when he turns into a, some superhuman ice hockey athlete <laughs> he's going to be too big for this show people he also won't be able to push any of the buttons with his hockey stick mm-hmm. arms and he'll be you know brain mapped just to slap pucks around but you know you saw him here first, so remember him now because when he's big, he won't remember us. That's right. Um, and lastly, not finally, I think it's just, you know, featherposter.com using the code 2BRAD if you're uh, off to a conference and want to try something a bit different and easier for you mm-hmm. to do. Ditch the um, tube. Flash. Ditch the tube. Ditch, ditch, ditch the rocket launcher. Right. Um, Flash, obviously, you know, thank you. If people want to get in touch with um, myself, Britt Brad, then it's at Bradley W. Hayes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get in touch with the show at 2 brad for you on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Flash, if we want to track you down for like child maintenance payments, story <laughs> ideas, that sort of thing, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, for one of those things, you can get a hold of me at, at bvampiridon. There you go. Flash, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'm sorry that I've got to cut us short. No, 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 it's all good, man. Um, it was good to... Good to connect, and uh, yeah, we'll be back later in the month. I think we'll try and make something happen yeah. as we're on the yeah. road. So, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you again to Simon for reaching out. We're happy to work with you on this, and I think Simon's going to come on and do an episode, hopefully, because he ha- also has a number of really cool projects that he's doing. Uh, if you speak French and you want a French language po- podcast, oh. check out Fait Comme Ça. It's Simon's French oh. language podcast talking about different 
topics in science, I believe, and how you can See, be involved. Sam comes up with all the ideas, and he's multilingual. I've, I've not met the guy, and I, I was thinking I liked him based on his brilliant ideas, but now yeah. he just seems a bit of a show-off. <laughs> yeah, well, he might one day overtake us, so we got to be careful. Oh, yeah, okay. Take him out of the knees next time. <laughs> all right, folks. Flash, until next time, listeners, thank you as always. All right, we'll, we'll yeah. see you next time. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Real quick, I just want to thank Simon Landry again uh, for reaching out. I'm excited to get to know him better and excited about featherposter.com. You heard us talk about that a lot, but I just wanted to shout out a few of the other things that Simon does. Um, you can check out his website, drsimonlandry.com. So that's all one, drsimonlandry.com. Uh, that's got a lot of stuff contact info if you're interested in what more he does he has two youtube channels one is worry pata brain the other is fake which is also a podcast so if you type those into um, youtube you'll get there he's got another website mpathengine.ca which i believe is an alexis skill company that he's put together so i'm not totally sure uh, what all these things are Yet, I haven't explored all of them. I've listened to a bit of Fait comme ça, Worry pas ta brain. I mean, this is French language, so if French isn't your language, maybe you're not going there. But um, if you're interested more in featherposter.com or uh, any of the other things that Simon is doing, I, I do encourage you to check out his website. Uh, and like I said, we are gonna, we're working to find a time in August, hopefully, to have him on um, where we can talk a lot about this really interesting guy doing some cool science communication stuff and as I learn a little bit more about these um, different projects we'll be talking about them on the podcast as well so thanks again to Simon thank you all for listening and that's enough of me bye for now all right are you recording I am always recording my life is one giant recording. <laughs> Just hoovering up data. Oh, that's a lovely sound. Well, that's a lovely face I just saw as well. <laughs> it's a lovely sound to have on recording. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, I guess if you've got to get going, we should...